0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Academic Life Channel here on New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Dana Malone. Today, we'll be talking to Dr. Karen Lewis about faculty versus administrative roles. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We are thrilled you're here today. Um, Karen, I wonder if you could begin by telling us a bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um... So I'm currently an associate professor at the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, which is in the very, very tip of Texas, way down on the border, literally on the border with Mexico. Um, our campus actually abuts the, uh, has several bridges that go across to Mexico. So that's where my, my campus is situated. But I, um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself and how I got to this place um, I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts, and um, I think when you and I met, I was in Kentucky. Um, I My parents, both of my parents, um, were educators, but in different ways. My my father was a researcher, a scientist. He was a veterinary pathologist, and my mother was an artist. And so I got the arts and sciences in my own home, and I think that really informed my direction, and um, And I always knew I wanted to go into education in some way. Um, I used to line my stuffed animals up and teach them, you know, that kind of thing, try and rope my cat in there. Um, After I earned my bachelor's degree, um, I didn't know that you typically would go into a teacher preparation program to become a teacher. I thought you just went and got your degree in whatever area that you were interested in, and then you would just go teach in that area. So um, I think what you'll find throughout my career is that I've done things a little bit backwards, <laughs> um, which has, has provided a really interesting journey um, along the way. But I, um, I started my, my career in education um, as an early childhood specialist. So I was working with two to five-year-olds. And then um, I had this Experience with a child in my class who was labeled as a behavior disorder child. And um, it turns out that he was deaf in one ear and losing his hearing in the other, which was resulting in behaviors that um, on the surface appeared to be um, behavior problems, but it was actually that he couldn't hear. And that was resulting in lots of conflicts on the playground and things like that. And so I started taking American Sign Language. And um, my professor at the community college, um, he said, "Boy, for for a young adult, you're really picking this up um, like no one I've ever seen. It's very natural to you." Um, and so he encouraged me. He says, "If you want to teach, you need to teach the deaf." And he handed me um, applications for um, master's degree programs. So I ended up earning my master's degree uh, in human development and education with a specialization in education of the deaf. So um, my first teaching job out of my master's program was to teach secondary English in a bilingual, bicultural ASL English program. And that's what brought me to Kentucky. I I taught at the Kentucky School for the Deaf, and then I transitioned, um, because I was duly certified, into the public school system, and I taught um, high school English. For a number of years, so um, I was teaching from uh, pre-K through 12 in public school settings for 15 years, and then I had someone um, suggest that I go on for my doctorate, which I had never imagined I would do either, and so I went to the University of Kentucky and started working on my PhD in educational and counseling psychology, and while I was there, I, I took a position as an adjunct um, doctoral, uh, instructor because, uh, I was on the graduate faculty, but I was not a faculty member per se. I was adjunct. And, um, once I earned my PhD, I, um, started, well, while I was earning my PhD, one of my professors said, Hey, there's this administrative position that's opening up here at UK. And I think you'd be perfect for it. And so again, without, setting my sights on something or intending to, I said, okay, this opportunity has presented itself. I'll throw my hat in the ring. Mm. And I ended up getting hired. And I worked for nine years as an assistant provost and executive director of the Department of Academic Enhancement at UK. So I was in an administrative role for nine years, navigating that world and leading and growing a department, which um, really, I started out as it was just me in a cubby, Uh, in the writing center. And then when I left, we had, um, gosh, uh, over 225 employees. And uh, the university was investing significantly in um, expanding the department to be on both the north and south sides of the campus. Um, So I had a lot of learning in that administrative role and a lot of growing. um, And that's where I met you. (laughs) And, uh, and we I think we had a really good time.
0: Oh, it was great. It was great. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but I say I do things backwards because typically um, most people in academe, they they land a faculty position first and develop and earn tenure and then go into leadership roles and then they apply for administrative roles. And here I had an administrative role for nine years um, and was working uh, part-time faculty and then went and applied to become a full-time faculty member on a tenure track and earn tenure. So I kind of did it backwards. Um, and that's what brought me to Texas. It was, uh, it was a perfect position I felt. Um, and I, and I knew I couldn't advance any further in administration if I'm not a full-time faculty member. And, uh, what you may not know in academe is, uh, typically if you earn your, your terminal degree from an institution, they don't hire you as faculty. Uh, they want you to go out into the world and maybe get some experience and then maybe later you can apply to your alma mater. But usually they they frown upon hiring their own. So um, I knew I had to to leave to get a faculty position. And um, and I took a... a t- it was a small teaching university at the University of Texas Brownsville. Um, and I had to start from square one being a junior faculty and... Um, You know, that's kind of humbling to go through all the stages of earning tenure um, and then, you know, earning your place. And I earned tenure, um, and now I'm an associate professor. And that has been an incredible learning experience as well. But because I have that administrative background, I get tapped and I end up in, it seemingly end up in uh, leadership roles. So I have um, been the chair of the Women's Faculty Network. That's a university-wide organization, and that's an elected position. Um, I was elected to serve as a faculty senator on the faculty senate. And then um, I was recently uh, elected to be president-elect of the faculty senate. Um, and during this time when I was earning tenure, it's also a little backwards because um the, the small institution, teaching institution that I was hired at, um, two years, well, one one and a half years in, um, we consolidated with an, another UT system institution to become a new university with multiple campuses all over the Rio Grande Valley. And so that whole transition process has been fascinating. And I can say that my experience at UK in administration certainly informed my um, understanding of that process and my experience through it and, and seeing how the administration um, has, has done that transition um, along the way. So it's, it's been an interesting ride. So I, I was in, in uh, pre-K-12 public schools for 15 years. I was in, um, I've been in higher ed for, this is my 17th year. So nine years as an administrator and eight years as a faculty member. Um, so I, I guess I I have some perspectives on <laughs> on the difference between uh, faculty life and administrative life for sure.
0: Yeah, certainly that is that is um, definitely why I thought of you when I thought of this topic. So just to um, allow the listeners to know a little bit more about our background. So. Um, I, I did meet Karen at the university of Kentucky when I was there. Um, I was working on my, uh, doctorate at the same time. And one of my assistantships, I had a teaching assistantship in that, um, it was kind of like a dual thing. So my, my academic department was, um, educational policy and evaluation, and they kind of worked with academic enhancement, which was kind of the academic services for the entire university. Um, this teaching assistantship was housed out of academic enhancement, but they worked closely with the EPE department. And, um, I taught, um, out of, and worked out of AE, uh, with Karen and Karen was my supervisor. And so I do remember it was a really unique situation in, in, um, AE at that time, because often in our meetings, um, we, you know, we had a lot of, uh, graduate students and we had a lot of undergraduate students and, um, and, you know, even the full-time staff, at one point, you guys would always say in our meetings, every single person in this room, every single person in this department is a student. And so we were the academic services department servicing the entire university. um, And we took that work really seriously because we were all students, even all the way up to Karen as our um, executive director, um, who was also working on her doctorate alongside many of us doing our doctorates. And so it was just a, um, a really... It was such a great, beautiful um, work environment. I I still hold that as, if not the top, one of the top experiences that I have had in my career. And um, so that's how Karen and I got to know each other. And it was um, great. And I am still connected with um, many people um, from that time. I'm co authoring a book with um, one colleague from that time right now. And another just reached out to me a week or two ago and told me that she. Has um, defended her dissertation, and she's now a doctorate. And asked me and told me about her new book idea, and wanted to co-author a book together. So, um, I love the connections we make throughout our careers, and how they, um, if they're really kindred, I call them kindred spirit or kindred mind. You know, connections. Um, they stay. They stay with you, and you take those people along with you. Um, and one of the things I love, I'll just say this too about the podcast is. Um, it's a new venture for me, and I what I'm doing as I begin is I'm thinking through my networks, and we say that to our listeners that we um, Christina and I talk about we're we're sifting through our mentor networks and bringing people on that we value and we know have great perspectives to add um, to the show and to the channel, and um, and so it's been great for me to be able to reconnect with some some of those kindred spirit friends and colleagues and bring them on for our listeners to hear. So you're definitely. Um, on that list, Karen, which is why we have you here um, on the show. Um, I, I, you, you talked a bit about your different roles, um, but I would like you, maybe if you wouldn't mind, to spend, um, dig a little bit deeper for us, a little bit about the administrative roles, the role that you had, and and maybe some of that. Like, if you could talk about um, the key characteristics of that experience of um, of being an administrator and what that was like, and then conversely, after you kind of do that, maybe juxtapose that to some of the key characteristics of faculty life, um, and, and compare what those experiences are like.
1: Well, sure. And you're absolutely right that the people are what it's about, those connections. And, um, one of the commonalities between being in an administrative leadership role, and I, and I, I strongly emphasize the leadership part. Um, if you, if you imagine me, uh, miming a chokehold. That is what I use to express my thoughts about management. And it's not, you know, there's management care, you know, responsibilities involved, of course, as an administrator, but I think the administrative leadership part is most important. And um, I think really good leaders cultivate other leaders. And what has been just a delight of mine is to watch, yes, every one of us was a student at some point in that, in that uh, team that we built. And then each of those team members, each of, have graduated and gone on to take on responsibilities and leadership roles in other, in other areas. And it just it warms my heart to see everybody's trajectory is a little bit different, but everybody is doing really important work and in a leadership role of one form or another. Um, and so I feel like we had a little success there. Um, my, my philosophy is the leadership part is creating relationships and teams and trust um, and i i really like Brene brown's work on um you know brave bravely leading and being vulnerable and um and keeping the lines of communication open um, and so in a leadership role inspiring others to tap into their strengths and take the lead on things um, and and being willing to say, I don't know it all, and I can't do it all myself. Um, I I surround myself with really talented people, and remove obstacles and provide whatever resources they need so that they can thrive and tap into those strengths and really shine. And then collectively, we were able to accomplish far more than I ever could have, um, being a you know dictator type leader or um, authoritarian. Um, I, I really believe that leadership is um, is the key. Um, and And that's what I tried to create in in my team um, at at the University of Kentucky in academic enhancement and um, and then that I, I got to watch that filter down because then we had student program coordinators that were promoted from their peer tutoring roles to then be leaders of of teams of peer tutors and um, and really, Cultivate their own leadership skills, and then the graduate students often I um, ended up hiring them as full time staff, um, and and I really believe in de- developing people um, as a leader. And so the the administrative leadership role that's that's what I, I tended to focus my intentions on in that in that capacity. Um, I can say some of the biggest challenges um, of being an administrator is that unlike when I was a teacher, um, and this stood out for me, and it and and it does um, in my current role also. But as an administrator, you can have a plan, you can have your calendar all planned out and everything neat and tidy, which I'm a big planner. You know, after 15 years in public school, you're all about the plan, you know. And then, and then you know, reflecting and learning from it and tweaking it. Um, and I I would you know come in every day with a plan and and an anticipation of what was going to happen. Um, but there's a lot of dynamics um, and and you really have to be um, able to respond um, and be open and listen carefully and you're always problem solving there's you know little ones big ones sometimes you're feel you know, like you're putting out lots of little fires um, and trying to anticipate um, issues and 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 re- mediate those or um, or make sure that you know, you avoid them. Um, but so in a leadership capacity in administration, um, sometimes it's navigating the politics of the institution or the politics of personalities or other people's agendas, um, really learning to listen to, um, colleagues across the board, whether it was, you know, working with the math department faculty and, um, really cultivating it. It took me probably almost four years to really get a trusting um, relationship w- as an administrator with that group of faculty because we were a service unit. We were, not, you know, it was not a supervisory role for me. Um, and then once, once we were, you know, understanding and trusting each other, we we really did some great things in collaboration with the faculty um, in different departments across the university navigating is what comes to mind when, when you're in administrative role, um, there, you know, each division and each department and each college has different, um, you know, they have, they have different goals and, 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 um, and needs and, and being open to listening, you know, actively listening to people, um, to then go back to your team and problem solve or, or figure out ways to collaborate and, and support, Um, those you're working with directly and those you're serving. And we did that with students too. We listened to the students and what they needed um, or felt they needed. And I think that's an important role in administration is um, to be open, responsive, um, and really a good listener. And then follow follow up, show up, you know, just keep showing up. Even when it's, you know, those difficult dialogues,
0: keep showing up. Okay. Thank you. I, I I do want to add that, um, at one point, I think you said we, we had some, uh, we had a, we had some wins there or little successes. I I would like to note that we had huge successes. So shortly after you left, it wasn't long a year or two, maybe after you left, um, to take on your current role, um, at UT, uh, AE did was recognized as a learning center of the year by the National College Learning Center Association um which is a huge honor a uh-huh. huge honor and so you know that that place that you built from a little cubicle by yourself to to what it grew to and i think like by the time i left i mean i don't know i think there was something over 23,000 tutoring sessions like a year uh-huh. um you know it's it's phenomenal when you think about that and um and so all those things that you just highlighted about the way that you and i love that framing that it's not um management that it's leadership and the tenets of leadership that you focus on um in your work and that um i think of it as sowing seeds those yes. seeds that you sowed even though at that moment you were not there anymore. You have spent years and years building it and sowing the seeds. And even some of the things that you s- just said, um, I continued to work with, um, your assistant director, associate director, who then became the executive director, who's one of my besties. And, um, mm-hmm. and he says the same things. I know that's one of his goals and he's now, a, um, an associate provost and says his goal is to remove obstacles so people can do their work and do it well. And, um, and for the and that kind of leadership, and we were just texting yesterday, and I said <laughs> we just need to work together again. I just it was such a working with people like that, um, leaders like that, um, you get to do such amazing things. And when they have your back and they know that their you know their goal is to help you do your best work um, and to do things that you enjoy, um, it it makes working just and um, so enjoyable and fun. It's like fun; it doesn't even feel like a job. So. Um, I just want to note that, you know, there was some pretty big successes and, and really you did, um, build a, a wonderful, um, unit, unit there. I have to, we did, we did, we did, we did, we did, um, you, you definitely were at the helm and we all did it together and, and we all felt the support. And, and so all those things that you just mentioned, I know are real and true because I experienced it myself. Um, and I still hear those, um, those ideas coming through friends and and in my own work um I still use some of the same language that um I think that was really something that I took away from my time there is how important language and lexicon is to the work that we do yes. um and I still talk about I don't talk about you know helping students I talk about you know strategies and resources and all the ways we can aid students um and so just so so while it seems like semantics in terms of management or leadership, it really isn't, it really is an important distinction and our language matters and, um, and the way we do our work matters. And, and I think you, so um, you sowed really great seeds and seeing as you said, seeing how those have trickled out and rippled out into the world, into the work that um, so many people from that department are doing now. It's, it's, it's amazing. So, um, so you did um, thank you for sharing some of kind of the, Oh, some of the characteristics of navigating and and leading and administrative roles and what that looks like um, and having the plan, but being, you know, needing to be flexible that that there's so many moving parts, I think, as an administrator Mm -hmm. that are outside your control. Um, So on the flip side of that, how would you compare that and and characterize faculty life?
1: So faculty life, um, it's also been, you know, a gift because it's an opportunity to learn. Um, And, the whole reason I teach is because I love to learn, um, and and I've learned quite a bit. And and as you might imagine, um, I you know I was a, I am a transplant into um, a, a different culture. Um, it, you know, I moved to a place where ninety nine percent of the population is Hispanic, and they identify as Hispanic. Um, I, I remember when I first moved down there, I was really uncomfortable with that term. Um, But in that region, they own it um, and they embrace it, and they say we're 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 not just Latinx, we are um, we're Hispanic, Um, and and they see it as a more inclusive word. So, um, and and you know Spanish is spoken all around me. We we uh, as an institution, UTRGV aspires to be the first Spanish English bilingual, biliterate, bicultural. Institution in the U.S. and it is the largest HSI Hispanic Serving Institution in the continental U.S., second only to the University of Puerto Rico. Um, so it's a really hmm. fascinating um, environment to to um, enter into and a different culture. Um, there's and like you said, language matters very much so. In my navigating the cross cultural um, relationships and relationship building, um, as a white woman from the Northeast, um, that comes with, they, they call me Anglo. I'm an Anglo mm-hmm. down there, um, which I've, that label had never um, been part of um, anything I was familiar with. Uh, or, or been called. Um, and so learning about the history behind that and being sensitive to it, um, and earning the trust, um, and, and respect of my students and my colleagues and the faculty are, um, uh, really, really diverse. Um, I, I, you can't assume that everybody is, uh, you know, all the faculty are, are Latinx or Hispanic. Um, about a third are, and about a third are white, and about a third are from all over the world. Um, so it's a really fascinating um, dynamic and, and mix of people and ideas and perspectives and cultures. And um, in fact, I have, um, as a faculty member, um, I lead a writing group. Um, I, needed, I needed to find my people, you know, like you said, I need to find my kindred spirits and and I, I found um, a group of women that I've been writing with now for four years, and we, we meet almost every week for a couple of hours. And one of my colleagues is originally from Peru. One of my colleagues is originally from India. One of my colleagues is uh, a Latina who grew up in, in the Rio Grande Valley. And, and then there's me. And so the conversations and the discussion and the writing is always cross-cultural and really rich with um, our very, very um, different backgrounds. And what we found is a sense of academic home in our plurality, not in our commonalities, but in our pluralities and in our differences. And that has been um, just a, a phenomenal experience. And as a faculty member, you can, you can find those, um, those people that you really enrich your work. And as a faculty member, there are three areas that are your responsibility, and that's teaching, research, and service. And so the planner in me as a teacher, you know, I, I have to be really good at my time management, and I have to carve out space for writing, because it takes me lots of time to write. And then when you're collaboratively writing with other people, you really have to invest the time. Um, and then, you know, the teaching load, um, really getting to know my students so that I can, um, I can support their success. And then, of course, because of my um, administrative leadership background, um, I end up being on committees and then chairing committees and then elected to things. And um, so I have... For several years, in my annual review, I was told I was doing too much service. You know, of course, like you can say no when you're working towards tenure. Um, and then I earned uh, the college um, excellence in service award last year, and so I'm like, oh, now you're your tune. So you- <laughs> <laughs> all this is, is uh, good stuff. But um, but I've you know I've I've uh, learned to sit on the other side of a faculty search committee as the search committee chair and go through that process. It's just been a, a lot of different opportunities to learn um, and to design courses and develop courses and develop programs and then to put it all online. And, um, and fortunately, I was asked to to convert a course um, from on-campus to online online um, several years ago. So I have some experience with that. So this past summer when there were all these faculty who never had any interest in teaching online suddenly had to convert their <laughs> courses, then I'm tapped to lead there and, and be, um, they called me a faculty champion to, um, to consult with my fellow faculty who were, who were grappling with, you know, wrapping their heads around and, and planning out and, and developing their online courses. Um, But I think with with being a faculty member, you have a lot of autonomy and you can get engaged in shared governance and working with the administration. And I think I I really enjoy doing that because I've seen both sides. Um, And um, for faculty who've never been in an administrative leadership role, sometimes they don't understand or have the perspective or insight as to why the administration is doing something. Um, And so I try to, um, you know, provide some insight into that from the faculty perspective. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sometimes administrators who've never been faculty or it was was a very long time ago, um, don't understand where the faculty are coming from. And so there are lots of opportunities to, to serve in leadership roles as a faculty member um, and hone your leadership skills. Um, But like I said, typically you're faculty first and then you develop those leadership skills and then you um, aspire to, administrative leadership roles and um and i do hope that at some point that i um will have the opportunity to serve again in an administrative leadership role with the you know wealth of experience and and insight i now have having been through the tenure process um and served as a, a faculty member um i i do have a much different understanding than i did before um and hopefully I can you know, make a con- contribution at some point that
0: way. Thanks, thanks. That's, um, yeah, that's a really great kind of overview of the lessons that you've learned and, and kind of the depiction of, of faculty life. So I guess you've, you know, you're almost equal in terms of the amount of time you spent as administrator and, and as a faculty member, but kind of going back to that moment when you transitioned from an administrator um, to taking this faculty job that first year. Um, what was that transition like for you?
1: It was, you know, it was exciting. Um, and uh, you know, and I love to teach. So that was, that was wonderful. And, um, and yet as I would say, as I, um, started trying to navigate the tenure process, um, it sometimes was humbling because, um, I could feel, you know, sometimes I was being put in my place as a junior faculty, even though I have, you know, I have ideas and I have this perspective and I, I want to share some of that administrative leadership um, wisdom, so to speak. Um, I learned, I I really, you really need to listen more than you talk and, Mm -hmm. um, and allow people to get to know me and, and cultivate that trust. Um, And then people started coming around and asking me for, you know, I, I would get these phone calls from one of my co- colleagues and she said, okay, this is, she's a program director. And she said, okay, this is what's going on with the administration. I need your insight. So why would they do this? And, and what's going on with that? And am I reading too much into it? And, and so then as people started to realize that um, I keep confidence and um, I, I, um, I can serve as a sounding board Um, then people ask me for my, my insights, um, from an administrative perspective. Um, but you kind of have to earn that, um, Mm -hmm. that space, um, because you, you know, I, I don't want to come off as, oh, I know what's going on, you know. Um, and, and sometimes, uh, people in leadership roles might feel a little intimidated by knowing my background. I get the sense they don't say it out loud, but, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, you know, a chair of a department and now I can say I've been in three different departments in, in six years. So <laughs> because of the transition to the new university and such, um, I think that some people, um, in administrative roles felt a little bit intimidated. It's kind of like, um, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like when I was an interpreter for the deaf and I interpreted in another teacher's classroom, I had to reassure them and, they, and and cultivate trust that I'm not in there to judge them. I'm in there to interpret for the deaf student in their class um, to make sure that they have you know equal access to everything that's going on, um, and that I'm not criticize. I'm not sitting here being critical of your teaching. In fact, I learned so much from being in other teachers' classrooms day in and day out, um, hmm. learning just invaluable ways that different teachers, um, you know, planned and, 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 um, facilitated different activities. Um, and so I always try to share that appreciation. And so I do the same thing. And I, and I think some of these, these chairs have come to, um, rely on my perspective and, you know, and, and like open conversations, um, knowing that I'm not judging their leadership. I'm not, um, I'm not critical behind their back, but, um, you know, I will very gently every once in a while say, you know, ask a question, like, have you thought about this? Or just a heads up, you know, with all of this COVID stuff, faculty here freaking out, you know, and (laughs) they, you know, I think it'd be really well received if there was just a compassionate message that came out (laughs) instead of yet another directive, um, and and so those kinds of things um, mm-hmm. have been inter- interesting in in my kind of unique role of having that background in administration to then be a faculty member. Um, but I love the autonomy and I love the the creativity and the research and the writing and um, and the service. Um, I I enjoy it. And I and I you were saying you know creating an environment where you love to come to work every day mm-hmm. um, and you really enjoy the people mm-hmm. and those relationships. And that's, that's something I've been able to create um, space for as a faculty member also and and try to cultivate those spaces and plant those seeds among my fa- my faculty peers um,
0: so that we all enjoy working together.
1: Hmm. That's great.
0: Um, I guess I would follow up with that question I would, um, and say, Um, can you talk a little bit about how you've done that as a faculty member? I feel like, um, maybe that seems a bit more clear in an administrative role where you might be a supervisor or responsible for, for folks. But when you're in a faculty role, as you said, it's faculty peers Mm -hmm. that you're doing that with. So can you talk about that a little bit of how you've done that?
1: Sure. Um, well, one of the things you always end up serving on committees and we, we engage in professional development sessions and things. And, um, and I try to be very open and supportive, um, and encouraging of junior faculty. Now that I'm tenured, I, I, I don't play the hierarchical card. They're a colleague and I want to support them. Um, and same with when I'm, you know, I'm on a committee and, and a senior faculty member is leading it. I want to be supportive of them, um, and cultivate those relationships, those professional relationships. Um, getting to know them and, uh, and appreciating the strengths that they bring, and, and acknowledging that, um, offering to help. Um, we all have to observe each other at some point. You know, you you have to put your dossier together every year, and you have to include um, peer observations of teaching. And so I'm, you know, I make a note to when I provide my peer observation of a, of a colleague that it's um, constructive and, and, and positive and, and um, highlighting their strengths and the cool things they did that I really, you know, appreciate and want to incorporate into my teaching. And um, I think they in turn appreciate that, Um, you know, like the, the writing group that I work with um, we're all in different departments. Um, So it, it kind of, Bridges some of those things yeah. um, when I'm working like with the women's faculty network. Um, i'm I'm interacting with women faculty across the whole university and really um, acknowledging accomplishments and um, encouraging others. and um, we we struggled as an institution, and I think a lot of institutions do with these, Categories of faculty. So you you have adjunct faculty who are essentially um, one year appointments or they're part time faculty to fill in when we have a large enrollment and and don't have enough faculty to teach a section or something. You have lecturers who their primary responsibility is teaching and then like 10% service, but they don't have any um, research responsibilities. And then you have tenure track. So the assistant professors who are junior faculty working towards um, earning tenure and navigating that whole whole thing, and then um, and then now as a tenured faculty member, um, I thought, oh, I finally I earned tenure, and it's (laughs) like, oh, now that you have tenure, here we'd like you to chair the search committee for this position, you know, and um, and with it comes more responsibility. But even when I'm leading um, committees like that, I. Um, try to create the same kind of environment we did in AE with, um, be, you know, listening and asking for input and appreciating the input I get from my my colleagues. Um, acknowledging, I mean, the search committee that I led, um, COVID hit and the the president suspended all faculty hires right when we were about to make an offer to a candidate, mm-hmm. and so I wrote a personal letter to each member of the the search committee to express my appreciation for the investment of time and work. And, you know, we had 48 applicants that we, we reviewed and we interviewed 12. And then we had it down to the finalists. And it was a lot of investment. Um, and I and I just wanted to express my gratitude. And I think that goes a long way to creating those kinds of relationships. And like you said, you know, cultivating that network of, of peers um, and mutual respect.
0: Thank you. It sounds like a lot of, you know, um, the two words that come to mind is, you know, being much more collaborative versus um, Mm -hmm. competitive and the, and the Academy can be very competitive. Yes. So, um, and it is competitive. Um, and so it's, it's refreshing and and inspiring to hear the ways in which that you, you know, um, work for a collaborative, um, supportive, um, you know, team, whether that's in an administrative role or faculty role, that that's possible in both roles. Um, so thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um,
1: and and you're right, there are competitive um, people um, in in the mix, but like you said, you find your kindred spirits, and yeah. and um, and like the women's faculty network in particular, trying to um, really encourage and support women faculty and um, and colleagues, and and particularly, you know, there was a time when the lecturers at the university kind of felt like redheaded stepchild, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they felt like second class citizens and to really include them in the conversations and, um, and, and include them on an equal footing. Um, and currently the chair of the women's faculty network is a lecturer and I'm the past chair and I'm supporting her and in her growth as a leader and, um, and, um, and just, you know, navigating a world of you know, that's traditionally that competitive or that hierarchical, you know, you're a senior faculty and you have, you know, there's kind of a power differential. And, um, and so trying to level that to appreciate everyone's contributions. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. And I appreciate that because I know like I serve as an adjunct now for a program. And, um, I think I have a lot to bring to the table, even though I'm, you know, consciously choosing an adjunct situation for myself right now. And, um, but that doesn't negate, you know, the years of experience and, and what you bring. So it's it's, right. it's nice when that's recognized, right? Just because people, you know, have various reasons, um, a myriad of reasons of why they might be um, at a particular, you know, in a particular situation at a particular moment in their career. So um,
1: we have some phenomenal adjuncts <laughs> and, you know, and and some have become really good friends um, and we recruited them to teach for us because um so, for example, I was on a, a special interest research group, which was a seed grant program. And um, there was a community organizer who came in and worked with the teams that were writing um, for these special re- interest research groups. And he, he was just amazing. And so we're like, "You Eugenio, you have to come and, and teach for us. And I would, you know, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I'm hoping eventually that um, once the hiring freezes over, that um, we can recruit him to be full-time faculty.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I think, yeah, being able to see people past titles, past positions mm-hmm. and see who they are, what they bring to the table, their experience, I think is really, really invaluable, no matter where you are in the academy. Yeah. Um, or the work world, really, the workforce, really. Um, if you're advising someone who's on the fence about which route, Um, to pursue in terms of, you know, administration or faculty? What kinds of questions or issues would you recommend that they explore?
1: Well, so like I said, I did things backwards. Um, If you are interested in administration, then I I would recommend the, um, the faculty route because it offers more opportunities in administration. So had I started as a, a full-time faculty member and earned my tenure, um, then I would be, um, like I am now qualified to apply for uh, department chair or associate Dean or, um, and then once you have some experience in roles like that, you can apply for a Dean's position or, um, associate provost, or, you know, the, the typical route is, is, uh, faculty to chair to dean or associate dean to dean um and then to like a associate provost and then on to um uh, provost and then on to presidency of an institution um that's one route but you can't go that route if you're not a tenured faculty member mm-hmm. and so there's the options for for leadership in administration are limited if you're not a tenured faculty member um, which is why I chose to step out of my, um, my role as a because I, I had hit a ceiling. I couldn't, I couldn't advance. Um, I couldn't go apply to positions at other institutions in advance because I was not um, a tenured faculty member. And so this was a very conscious decision to take kind of a step. People look at it as a step back. Um, but, to me it was worth the investment because of um, now I think I'm in a really great position to, you know, I, it's a, it's a win, win. If I Mm -hmm. don't get offered um, a position, you know, if I apply for an associate provost position and I don't get it, I have lost nothing because I love what I do. (laughs) And, and I have ample opportunities um, to, to, use my experience and insight and and leadership capacity as a faculty member. Um, But if an opportunity arises, then I'm, you know, I'm, I have the, you know, the credentials uh, to pursue it. But my piece of advice would be um, for people to um, embrace the coincidences that present themselves you know, um, I think Dr. Wayne Dyer said, "Manage the coincidences, and there are no coincidences." <laughs> so when you know when opportunities present themselves, go for it. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly women, I think um, I think we hold back sometimes, and we think, "Oh no, I couldn't do that." Um, but if you're interested in a leadership, administrative leadership role, then I would I would suggest going about it the more traditional route and. And seek a faculty position first. Um, that will open up far more opportunities.
0: Okay. Thank you. Um, we have just a little bit of time. So I have just a couple questions left. But um, often we don't get a chance to share with others the stories about what really mattered, kind of what put us on the paths we're on today. So can you share one piece of advice that you received that really impacted you? Um. And it could be just, general, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily related to this topic, but just in general.
1: That's a good question. A really good question. I know that's a filler, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like what I was just saying. Um, When people say something, like you should really consider this, then really consider it. Um, Because you may, you know, like I, I had never thought about pursuing my PhD. Um, and somebody, you know, was a consultant for the school that I was working at and we were in a meeting and we just got to talking while we were waiting for whatever to happen. And and he says, have you ever thought about getting your PhD? He said, you should pursue your PhD and think about higher education. And, and I was like, huh. So when, when those little nuggets drop in your lap, really take them seriously. You know, it's sort of like when um, when my professor at UK um, gave me an opportunity to research with her, write with her, publish with her. Um, and then when she said, hey, I, here's this position that's just opened up and I think you'd be perfect for it. You know, I wasn't out seeking it. It just kind of surfaced. Um And throw your hat in the ring and see what happens. And amazing journeys await.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, It's been great talking with you today. But before we wrap up, can you tell us um, about what you're working on now? Maybe a project that you have going now?
1: Sure. So I'm really excited. Um, I have two things going on. I'm still writing with this group of women. um, And we have been um, working on a piece on mothering particularly under the current circumstances. We, we all have um, different situations. Um, one of my colleagues, she had a baby last January. Um, so he's nearly one years old. But she, so she had him and was on um, maternity leave, um, family medical leave from the university when all of this just upended. And um, And so she, you know, we've been talking about her experience of this wasn't what she imagined, you know, trying to juggle a toddler and teach her classes through Zoom and all this. And then um, my other colleague has has two young young adult, um, young women, her daughters, um, one's in college, and of course, that was all disrupted. And one's, you know, a senior in high school who just graduated who's going to be transitioning into university. You know, her senior year was disrupted, and she's going to start, university under very different circumstances. Um, and, and then my other colleague, her daughter is a, a grown mother herself, and she's more focused on the grandchildren in all of this, you know, disruption. And my children are far away. You know, when one, one of my daughters lives in London and, and, um, and one of my daughters lives in New York city and, you know, mothering from afar. And like just this last week, my, my daughter in London, um, shared with me that she and her boyfriend have covid and so that the anxiety and of, of being a mother so far away and, and so helpless not able to do anything so we started writing about that um, and and we'll be shaping that in in this writing group of, of mine we're working on that um, and then um, and then I just um, I'm part of the curriculum and pedagogy group and um, We, uh, I, I got together another team, a a group of four of us that I'm the lead on, and our proposal for um, an edited book was awarded. And so now I'm cultivating another team, and um, two of the team members, one is a, a lecturer at the university as well as doctoral student, and one is a doctoral student who works in the public schools, and one is a colleague, one of my network. Um, who now is the statewide um, coordinator for interpreting services in South Carolina. And so the four of us are the editorial team for this edited book, The Kaleidoscope of Lived Curricula, Learning Through a Confluence of Crises. That's the title of our book. So I'm really excited about that because we have our call out right now for submissions um, for creative um, and reflective pieces as well as full chapters. And so that's exciting to to be working um, with another team and creating, um, and serving in as lead editor, editor which is um, a new opportunity for me.
0: Hmm. Well, they both they both sound um, amazing. So so good luck with that. Thank you, um, Karen. Thank you for being on the show today and talking with us about administrative and faculty roles. My pleasure. I'm Dr. Dana Malone. This is The Academic Life, and you've been listening to New Books Network. Please join us again.